0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void for prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode. As you can see, there have been some changes... In the podcast, what is formerly known as SWC College Football is now titled The Bear Den, a Baylor sports podcast. I decided to hone the focus of the podcast away from the nine teams that formerly made up the Southwest Conference into the team I was most passionate about. And that team that I'm most passionate about is my school that I attended and that is Baylor University. So we are going to focus on Baylor athletics starting off with Baylor football season in about a month, a little over a month from now and we are going to talk about all things Baylor sports and so we're going to have guests on to talk about Baylor sports, we're going to have game previews, we're going to talk about the week that was in the Baylor sphere, so to speak, and for a special treat on this inaugural episode of The Bear Den, we have a special guest where we talk about the state of college football in the state of Texas, and that is Mr. Shehan Jaraja from Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can also catch him on the Republican Football Podcast and DaveCampbell'sTexasFootball.com please sit back and relax and listen to the podcast as we have a conversation regarding the state of college football in the state of texas like last time we're now joined by Shehan jay raja of dave campbell's texas football he is the college football insider for dave campbell's texas football thank you for joining us he's also the host of many too. I mean, a couple of different podcasts is all over the place, but we certainly uh, thank Sheehan for uh, joining us today.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Um, so I, I originally asked you on to talk about specifically about like Houston and SMU, but um, based on just like the events of the last, I don't know, 12 days, maybe um, I want to take more of a, like a 30,000 view of a college football in the state of Texas. And so, what's your take on the current state of college football in Texas um, right now going into 2021? Well, I think
1: certainly heading into this upcoming season, there's a lot of reasons for optimism. I think that Baylor's going to be a whole lot better than they were last year. I think that TCU has a chance to potentially compete for the big 12 Uh, Texas tech. I think is going to be as good as they've been in a little while. And then, you know, I, I think even looking down to the group of five schools, there's a lot of optimism, I think, but certainly it is that cloud over everything right of realignment of everybody kind of worrying about their future uh and and honestly i mean it's kind of funny so today on on tuesday august 3rd when we when we're doing this earlier today somebody posted a a little screen cap of my of of my big 12 preview from dave Campbell's x football magazine and what it said was that there's, you know, there's reason to believe that the big 12 is back and maybe better than ever, you know, the best it's been in maybe a decade. And obviously in just the months since I've written that preview, <laughs> all this has happened. So certainly I think that the football in the league is going to be really good this year, but, uh, but certainly it's hard to, it's hard to feel all that when there's so much moving around uh, kind of behind the scenes.
2: Yeah. And uh moving forward, like I was listening to the senate hearing or whatever uh yesterday and i heard macro say that about the texas unique position of having five power five programs how would that this that the overall view of college football in texas be affected if it went from five to two potentially um, power five programs in the state of texas well
1: it's so interesting because so much of realignment and so much of college football has been determined by geography which i do think big picture is a good thing but you know it's funny Texas has kind of ended up in the middle of so many situations right you kind of because like the Pac-12 is not a stronger league than mm-hmm. the Big 12 was the The ACC hasn't really been a stronger league outside of Clemson than the Big 12 has been but the thing that has tied those leagues together is the geography right of being on the Atlantic Coast of being uh, you know on the Pacific and really I, I think that you can almost point back to the death of the Southwest conference as being the moment that all of this was suddenly thrown into whack and where all these teams kind of get left in the middle. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, obviously in the state we love football. This Mm -hmm. is the sport in the state of Texas. There's great, there's tremendous track, there's tremendous basketball, but, but this is a football state. Right. And, and I think that probably the greatest tragedy of this from a pure football perspective is just the lessened fan interest from that could happen if the other three schools kind of were to fall down, like you mentioned out of the power of five, I don't think it would disappear by any means, right? Like Baylor, Texas tech, uh, you know, TCU, they, they'd still be very motivated. I still think that there'd be a lot of fans. And the other thing too, is that the hope long-term is that this expanded playoff can maybe help mitigate some of that because maybe you still have a shot at the college football playoff, which I think would help. But I mean, it's hard to it's hard to sit here because because you mentioned five F, five Power Five schools in the state of Texas. That that's crazy stuff, right? I mean, you go to Florida, you're talking, I believe, three, right? Mm-hmm. You go you go to California, you're you're talking three or four, right? Like, I mean, it's this is what makes Texas special is the depth of football in this state, and. Obviously, this is long-term probably going to end up being relatively good for Texas A&M, but it's a real tragedy what it does when 10 of your schools as opposed to seven of your schools are playing at the group of five level.
2: For sure. And um, let's stay on Texas, uh, the University of Texas for a second. Um, we all know that the obvious monetary gains that they could have or they will have moving to the SEC, what else do you think they actually get out of the move And moreover, like, what do you think they, they think they're going to get out of the move to the sec? Well, I'll tell you what, I think one of the
1: biggest things driving this change has been what's happened at Texas A&M over the last 10 years, because Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to forget when Texas A&M left the big 12, they were very much an average program. They were very much a, we're trying to get to seven wins. We're trying to be above 500 in the conference and most years they weren't. Now, Part Of that was the strength of the league back then, but they were not a good team, they were a fine team,
2: yeah.
1: And since moving to the SEC, it's really given them a unique sort of brand identity, uh, giving sort of Texas players a gateway to the Southeastern Conference, uh, you know, and then obviously the money that has come along with it and the way that that's been transformative, uh, re engaging certainly uh, former Texas AM alumni as well, or former students as they call it, yeah. Uh, you know, and so I think that in a lot of ways, Texas A&M moving to the SEC has been transformative for not just what that program is, but what that institution is long term. And I think that people at the University of Texas, where, you know, look, Texas has been the flagship of the state forever, basically, since the 1870s, since it was founded. Uh, they see Texas A&M, who, you know, they not so lovingly call little brother, kind of yeah. surpassed them in almost every way. I think that that's a big Factor Because if Texas A&M was going seven and five in the SEC, I don't think there'd be this desire. But there's a feeling, I think, at Texas that they are falling behind, that they are not competing for national championships, that they're seeing Texas A&M pass them, that they're seeing Oklahoma pass them, that they're seeing LSU, Georgia, obviously Alabama pass them. And and there's, I think, a lot of frustration, especially since the reality is, too, everybody who is post-college, they remember 2005. They remember being a national championship team, being a 10 win team every year, and they kind of feel like it's their right to be so. So I think in a lot of ways, it's this idea that, well, look at what it did for Texas A&M. It elevated their program. It meant they got the best recruits. It meant that they got all this money. Now, I think it's also fair to ask the other side, well, Texas already has that. Is that going to fundamentally change? Yeah. I'm certainly skeptical of that, right? I, I don't know if it's going to change everything, but I think that Texas fans after the last decade and all the frustrations that came along with it probably want to try.
2: And a lot of the talk around the uh, realignment on the Big 12 side has been like, what, what hap- what's next? What happens next? Do we expand? Do we merge? Do we rate another conference or do another conference rate us? What, who are the viable candidates in your opinion, that are available for the Big Twelve if they wanted to add to the conference?
1: I think the biggest no-brainer is Houston. That's the team that honestly I think should probably already be in the Big Twelve. And the reason that they're not is, is as it's been long established, has been because Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech—they don't necessarily want in-state competition in recruiting. But I think at this point, that's just that ship has sailed because you're going to be in a situation now where where the rest of college football is coming into this state where the sec is coming into this state and not just some programs where every program comes into the state of Texas, uh, expecting to come away with players. And so I think that more important than per se, protecting your own recruiting grounds And not elevating Houston is just having as a conference, an identity built around the state of Texas. So if you were to add Houston, uh, you know, SMU would maybe be one but but I think that Houston is really the big one because it is a big public school, big alumni base, big connections in that major metro. Uh, and, And I think that that gives you the ability to have presence In most of the major markets in Texas. And so Houston's uh, just a total no brainer to me. I think other ones that you look at you look at the Florida schools UCF and USF, uh, you know, obviously tremendous football success for UCF over the last many years, Uh, Cincinnati, I think that what they've been able to do same deal, give you access to a metro the other thing about that is that it kind of helps build a bridge to West Virginia, which has been a real issue that they don't really have any geographic partners. So I think that that could also be a priority if you were to add a Cincinnati or a Memphis, just having more teams head that way. Uh, But listen, I mean, if they decide to go West with the BYU, if they decide to go West with the Boise state, if they decide to go, you know, with the Louisiana or an app state, I I think that every option is going to be available to them. But I think the two most obvious ones are probably Houston and Cincinnati.
2: Yeah, and I was looking, um, I guess there's some kind of uh, beef for with um, University of Houston or some, like, blog or fan site going after Baylor for some reason. So, I mean, that's one reason you need Houston in the Big 12 because they legitimately hate all those Big 12 schools <laughs> who left them yeah. out in 1995 or whatever it was. They still, 25 years ago, they still yeah. hate those teams.
1: Well, and I'll tell you what, I mean – it does go back to that, right? Because the reason specifically that Baylor during this whole realignment thing is such a big deal, right, is because in ninety four, ninety five, it was Ann Richards, it was Texas government leadership, right, kind of nudging them in and leaving TCU and Houston out, and so. And then in twenty twelve, even you know you have the the Baylor administration suing and kind of keeping this whole thing together with a with chewing, you know, with duct tape and chewing gum, right? So like,
2: yeah, this is kind 2016, of sixteen. They did that whole. Right. Looked at Houston and all the schools. They just right. say like, no, nah, we're going to stay at 10. So they kind of feel right every, at and, every turn. They're jilted.
1: Right. Right. They've been they've been sort of messed up by by this whole process. And Baylor's kind of been at the center of almost all of those little incidents. Right. And so but which is great. Right. Because because you if they were to come to the conference and I wrote about this at text a, a little while back like you want schools that care. You want schools with fan bases that will be engaged and being able to pull together some of those old Southwest Conference rivalries. I think yeah. it's a great thing.
2: Yeah, I remember whenever I was, you know, started watching football when I was a kid, it was in the height of the Southwest Conference. And I remember Rice was so much better than they are now. Mm. You know, they were a team that they had a great running back. I remember Trevor Cobb was on the, like, the cover of dave campbell's texas football in, in the 90s and like yeah you just don't that in that that whole expansion then they got killed those programs from reaching those levels they could have reached because they are now relegated to an other than class yeah um speaking of different things that could happen there was a report today from uh, max Olson who basically said that the Commissioners of the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 had some type of meeting and discussed alliance, merger, different topics. Um, what? How? What's your read on that? As a as it goes, moving forward in this whole process.
1: I would say that I'm probably somewhat skeptical. Uh, I do think that the Pac-12 is looking for somewhat of a of a future. You know, I think that they're looking for how can we elevate ourselves? Because, you know, again, I I mentioned it for all this talk about, well, now they're only four power, uh, power conference teams. I mean, the way that the PAC 12 exists right now and what the big 12 would be with, let's say Houston and SMU or Cincinnati, like they're not that far off, right? Like they are, they're closer to being a group of five teams and way closer than they are to being the SEC. Right. And so I think in a lot of ways, what the Pac-12 is looking for is to kind of just know that they have a path to the playoff, right? And and part of that is going to be, okay, well, like if the Big 12 and Pac-12 were to have a scheduling alliance, okay, well, at least you know that some of your top teams are going to play each other. You're going to be able to get those extra benefits. You're going to be able to have a little bit more visible of a, of a product. And uh, and the other thing too is that it engages them, the Pac-12, with people in the Big 12 footprint. I think that that would be the draw of it. Yeah. The flip side though is that We've heard those kinds of conversations with the PAC 12 and big 10. And if that's the conversation, right. It's not going to be a question. They're going to go with the big 10. If they have the ability over the the big 12. Uh, I do think that certainly if you expand and you you're able to hold on to these eight teams, then right now, it doesn't look like anybody's jumping at really any of these eight teams at this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that having a long-term scheduling partnership could have some benefits just in terms of cementing yourself that, you know, first of all contractually that contractually you are being treated like a power five team in negotiations. I think, I think that that in itself can be a big deal. Uh, But also just long-term, like again, if there are four spots, there aren't four spots right now, but, but you know, uh, or long-term, we think that there's going to be more than four spots, but if there are four spots to kind of know that, okay, well, there's going to be a battle Royale between the top of the big 12 and the top of the pack 12. And maybe one of those teams gets the playoff spot, right? Like, like at least that kind of gives you a little bit more straightforward of a path. Now, again, I, I don't know how much to read into it. Uh, I saw somebody, I can't remember who, who who posted this tweet, you know, somebody said, listen, if Bob Bowles, really thought that this was going to happen, he wouldn't have leaked it. Right. Like yeah, he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't have, uh, he wouldn't have made this public. So, I think that he's going around having all the right conversations. I I get it. I don't know if it's going to turn into anything. And I think that it can't turn into anything until the eight teams kind of finally decide what they're going to do. But, uh, but certainly I think it's part of the, that's going to be part of the conversation heading forward is how do you kind of manage this? And I think that this is kind of just a first step of
2: that. Yeah. I mean, I think their initial response, I think is they want to hold OU and Texas to that four years, because they would to keep on collecting those uh, those revenue checks. But I mean I, I don't I cannot see it going till 2024 or 2025 to because um, it's already uncomfortable if you watch any of the hearing any of the video feed, it's it's awkward right now and we're you know a week and a half into it. I can not imagine having Texas know you around another four years. That just seems yeah. like a, not a tenable situation.
1: Right. And you know what? The, I think the big thing is if the big 12 were to break up, right. I think that it takes a vote of 75% of its members to sort of dissipate the conference yeah. and nobody make any money. Right. And so, uh, or nobody pay a buyout rather. Well, if you keep it together until that, right. Th- then they have to do something. I think that we all seriously doubt that they're going to keep playing through the 2024 football season in mm. the big 12, but it forces them to make some difficult decisions or it forces somebody to make concessions. I think that certainly, uh, you know, I mean, ESPN kind of been at the center of this. Maybe you force ESPN to make some concessions in terms of extending the big 12 contract. Yeah. Maybe you, you force uh, Texas Texan, Oklahoma to just pay that money. Right. I think in a lot of ways, the grant of rights is the biggest bargaining chip that the big 12. Yeah. Again, no, nobody really, in general, wants us to go four years, right? Nobody wants Man. this awkwardness. But the one thing that you have, right, is that you have that leverage, and I think that the leverage that is probably the most important thing. So that when Texan, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma, and it might be by next year, right? Like it might be. I, I would probably guess twenty twenty three if I had to guess. Yeah. But uh, but I, I think that then at least that that allows you to to know that Texas and Oklahoma are in your debt right now, and uh, and that's not a terrible place to be for the Big Twelve.
2: Wow. Well, what would be like the benefit or why wouldn't they also consider doing the same thing with the, the AAC? Because you already have East coast teams that you can, you know, pair up with. You have Temple Navy. They're on close to West Virginia, but you also have the, um, all the Texas teams and all Tulsa and all those teams in the middle of the country, along with moving into the Southeast. Why not do the same thing? Cause it's, it's almost the exact same number of teams. I mean, I think the American Navy has like 11 11 teams, I think. So I mean, talking about your 19 teams compared to 20 and make that, as long as Big 12 can retain, it's like autonomy status, make that the new big middle of America super conference type of.
1: Yeah, well, I think that there's two parts of that, right? You mentioned maintaining autonomy status. I think that that will certainly be something that comes into question with a merger of that size. And the other thing too, is that from a payout perspective, right? Because you've got eight teams right now that make, Thirty something million dollars, $35 million. And you've got 11 teams that make seven and a half million dollars in conference payouts. Right. So you have to find like a big sort of medium between those two things. And the other thing too, that I, you know, from the the sort of eight left behind perspective is that in a lot of ways, I think that they're trying to do whatever it takes to cement themselves as being seen as power conference teams. Yeah. Right. And, and so combining with the AAC, while I think that it would certainly create some stability long-term, it would certainly look like the eight stepping down more than somebody being brought up, you know? And so, and the other thing too, is that in the AAC, you know, if you're the big 12, you don't have to take everybody is the big thing. And so there's some dead weight right now in the AAC, right? Like, I don't think that the big 12 would want Tulsa. Tulsa's in a bad financial position right now. Temple, just not great engagement right now. East Carolina has really kind of fallen off a cliff. Like, I think the Florida schools certainly make sense. I think that Cincinnati, Memphis is Memphis is great from an on-field perspective. I think some of the off-field stuff in terms of funding, in terms of development, I, I don't know if that's what they want. Uh, SMU Houston, certainly you consider. But, uh, but I think that that's the other part of it, too, is that you don't have to take the rest of the field. Mm. And so if you don't do that, then... You know, I think that you end up in a better position because at least e- even if you do end up sort of with a combined thing, I think you can do it while cutting three or four teams.
2: And I was I was also, you know, thinking about this the other day, it was the, the exit of OU in Texas creates kind of like a power vacuum where you have these two tentpole programs, these brands, you know, OU had six straight championships and Texas is just like the flagship of, of the state of Texas. Um, wouldn't it be enticing for a brand, a team that has a brand that's maybe fallen off a little bit, to say like we may take a little bit of a hit financially, but there's a chance we could run a win a lot more than we do now. Like when I think like Nebraska, who in publicly they seem like they're not really thrilled with the Big Ten. I mean they like I'm sure they love the checks coming in, but they're they don't like their position I guess in the conference. They could come in because they're they. Or one of the founding members of the Big Twelve, the former Big Eight member, they can really take that, fill that void of this big brand in this conference, or even Arkansas that, from the SEC as well.
1: No, I mean I think that I think that it makes so much sense on field for Arkansas to be a member of the Big Twelve, for like you mentioned Nebraska, for even a Colorado, for you know just just to bring people back, basically, right? Yeah. But I think that the thing is is that if you are compare the sec and the big 10 to a lifeboat right yeah you don't want to end up in a position where you're not on the lifeboat right let w- whatever the ship leaves the station you don't want to worry that you're in an unstable position right because because yeah. if you are arkansas for example i mean yes it's been totally miserable on the field i don't know why if you're an arkansas fan you'd basically even go to football games at this point like what's the point it's not that fun like yeah. Cool, I guess, you know, go watch your team go three and seven. But uh, but at the same time, you know right now, in this moment, you are not going to get left behind unless just everybody gets left behind except the top teams, right? You mm-hmm. are in a very safe, stable position. You're making a lot of money. I think the money matters. I think the stability matters just as much. And and that's that's this actually comes back to something that early obviously has become annoying about being in college football, being in that world. Which is that winning doesn't really matter. Yeah, Be- being successful doesn't really matter because, uh, like you said, so many so many places have gone to situations where they know that Missouri's never going to win again, right? Missouri's yeah. never going to win more than like eight games, maybe ever again. And
2: like two thousand seven is not happening again.
1: Right, right. Like they're never going to have like a crazy upside season. Whereas you mentioned since two thousand seven, right? You've got multiple Baylor teams you've got multiple TCU teams you've got multiple you know you have the one Texas Tech team at least right that that kind of broke out and so it is possible in a conference like the Big 12 because because if you go 11 and one doesn't really matter what conference you're in people are going to pay some attention right yeah uh but at the same time it's the stability it's being part of the sec it's the cultural stuff like it's being able to sell yourself as being an sec school and recruiting it's being able to sell yourself as an sec school when recruiting students even you know so it's it would be nice if we built this thing around what would be best for the entertainment and unfortunately we are in a position now where i don't even know if that's secondary you know i don't know if it's tertiary or whatever the four version of, of tertiary yeah. I mean, where we're, uh, you know and, and that's that's sad that's unfortunate I mean but I think that in a lot of ways that reality started when the Southwest Conference Southwest Conference broke up
2: yeah and it's like um, the piece that you posted you know part of the fun of it is like seeing your co-worker who went to Texas Tech and you went to Baylor or wherever TCU and you get to see them at the in the break room and you know talk snack or whatever about the game coming up and a lot of that could be just gone in yeah. like in quick order so you don't have those you're, you're talking about like the the merger with the Pac-12 you're really never going to run into a USC grad in Texas rarely right and so it's you you miss that the kind of com- community type of shared experience with rivals
1: yeah i mean i one group of fans that's been very like Vocal about it's Pac-12 or bust to me is Texas Tech fans, right? And the thought is, and and I understand <clears throat> a thirty-something million dollar payout a year is a big deal just for yeah. any school. They're a public institution. That's a that's an economic driver in Lubbock, Texas. But one thing that they said is that, oh well, we're going to lose fan interest if we don't stay in the Power Conference, right? And and that'll happen to some extent. But my counter to that is is like you said if Texas Tech is hosting Oregon State, like, are more fans going to show up to that than Texas Tech-Houston? Yeah. Like, I, I just don't see that. Or Texas Tech-SMU, or Texas Tech-Baylor, or Texas Tech-TCU, uh, or even Texas Tech-UTSA. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? I, I just don't think that that's... I, I, I think that that's a fundamentally flawed way of the way that we look at college football is that we think bigger is better when... Really, sometimes it's not that smaller is better, but like relatability is better because that's that's kind of the beauty of the sport.
2: Absolutely. And before you go I'm and ask you, I am going to ask you about going into this year about UH and SMU. And the way I look at it, I mean, I really. SMU has to be the of those Texas teams in the American that has to be like they're the team that was most likely to face Cincinnati in the championship, in my opinion. How do you see that, um, all those falling out when you go into the year this year between UH, Houston, and those other teams?
1: So the one thing that I'll say is that SMU's schedule is a lot harder than yeah. Houston's. A lot harder. Houston Houston can do nothing right and basically win nine games because of how easy their schedule is. But that said, uh, I saw SMU's number uh, for over under, I think at DraftKings set at six and a half, and that number is insane to me. Just totally insane. I, I think that the way that that reads to me is that DraftKings sees SMU as being Shane Bouchelle, and now he's gone, and now they're nothing again. And yeah. I would argue Shane Bouchelle—they—they don't have a quarterback as good as Shane Bouchelle is was as a senior. They don't have a guy like that right now, but. They have two really good guys in Tanner Mordecai, who is a blue chip recruit, uh, obviously Waco, Texas, uh, who played at Oklahoma and Preston Stone, who is a top 150 national recruit from the city of Dallas. So like they've got guys, but the other part of that is that outside of that quarterback position, this is, I would argue, the most talented, most experienced and best overall team that SMU has had since Sonny Dykes has taken over. And they won 10 games a couple of years ago, yeah. right? I mean, they are at receiver they have two receivers on the balina cup watch list in rasheed rice and reggie robertson who we named the top receiver in texas they've got uh, three running backs who i feel really good about they've got basically their entire offensive line back defensively which has kind of been more of the question mark they've got s- some real blue chip guys on that back end chevin Callaway is one of them uh cam jones is another one of those guys these are guys yeah. who played at arkansas and nebraska before transferring over here they're really good up front they've got a stanford transfer mike williams so like this is not a team that's like a nice story this is like a team that is legitimately very talented and and very good and deep at every position at this point so i certainly think that smu is the team to beat in terms of being the best overall group of five team in texas now UTSA is going to be up there in terms of record Uh, Houston's going to be up there in terms of record just because their schedule is easy but in terms of like put them on the field quality I I think that SMU is probably I mean not only do I think they're going to be the best of the bunch I think that they're going to potentially they're going to be up there with most of the power five schools too I mean Texas A&M is going to be another level but I mean SMU is going to be similar caliber to Texas or to TCU and could be better than Baylor and could be better than Texas Tech like this is a very good team and I'm very excited to see what they can do uh, even with a new quarterback under center.
2: Well, Sean, thank you for joining me. Um, and um, we certainly have a lot to look forward to in the upcoming 2021 season and um, all the machinations of realignment for sure. Where can people um, find you? Where can they catch your other work?
1: Yeah, make sure and check out all my stuff at TexasFootball.com. Uh, become a subscriber at TextFootball.com slash subscribe. You get a magazine mailed directly to your house. So trust me, it's worth it. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Shahan J. Raja. All
2: right. Thanks, sir. Thank you for having me. Again, we want to thank Shahan Raja for joining us. And we want to make sure that if you like the podcast and you want to continue to get this type of tonk type of content then uh follow or subscribe and if you do subscribe and you want to leave a review if you're so inclined please do so remember you can follow me on twitter at matt d workman that's m-a-t-t d-w-o-r-k-m-a-n and until next time this has been the bear den and we will see you down the road